Welcome to Shift, a College Admissions ACT and SAT podcast for a changing world. I'm Tyler, the founder of Achievable, and we have an affordable ACT course that includes everything you need to ace your exam. A full textbook, tons of ACT questions backed by our memory-enhancing algorithm, and full-length practice exams. You can get a free trial at achievable.me, and if you like it, the code podcast gets you 10% off at checkout. Now, today we've got David Blulong from Summit Prep on the line. David, if you want to introduce yourself. Thanks for having me, Tyler. Yeah, so my name is David Blobaum. I'm one of the co-owners of Summit Prep, and we have a location in Bernardsville, New Jersey, and a, a location in Summit, New Jersey. And we also tutor students online around the world. Yeah, fantastic. And so today we want to talk about one of the other hot topics of the college admissions world, which is test optional admissions. And, you know, first, I think it's just like, what does it really mean when a college is test optional? And then second is how this going to influence rankings of colleges, which is important because everything colleges that do, they're doing it through the lens of how do I improve my ranking? It's like a whole little game that everyone's playing. So, but yeah, first, what does it really mean if a college is test optional? Yeah, I think... Ironically, it means exactly what the words say. And we've been trying colleges and, you know, special interest groups have been trying to redefine what those words mean, but it means what it is. So what are they trying to redefine them to? So first was it what it is? Sorry, I interrupted you. Yeah. So test optional means you have the option whether or not to submit test scores, but it's been, some people are trying to redefine it as you're not disadvantaged without test scores, but that's not what test optional means because not disadvantaged without test scores would be test blind. That is when you would not be disadvantaged. And yeah, it would be test blind with the option to submit anyway, basically. Well, you know, I mean, anytime you're, so people will say, oh, we're not going to, you know, they've also redefined disadvantage. So they, they've said, you're not going to be disadvantaged if you don't submit scores. Meaning the way they're defining that is, we won't look on your application negatively. But the problem is, is you're still relatively disadvantaged relative to students submitting good test scores. And none of the colleges rebut that, that if they're test optional, they're also honest. If you submit a test score above the college's median, that's going to, all else being equal, boost your application, your admissions chances. So right. that it is what it says. You have the option yeah. not to submit test scores, just like you have the option not to, you know, tell any cur- extracurricular activities or you have the option. Um, so actually I was watching an interview with um, the Dean of Admissions, uh, the former Dean of Admissions for Vanderbilt. And she, she likened it to, yes, you have the option not to write the optional essays, the optional supplements, because some supplements are optional. But she said, if you don't write that, we're going to wonder why. And so she said, it's the same thing with test scores. She said, if you're not submitting them, we know why you're not submitting them. We know it's right. not because you had such high scores that you're not submitting them. Yeah, yeah. So yes, a college isn't going to say you didn't submit test scores. You're automatically disqualified. You have right. the option not to, but... One way or another, you're either going to have some hook to get into a college. You're going to meet some institutional priorities. Now, if you meet institutional priorities of demographics or recruited athlete, 
yeah, then you don't necessarily need the hook of test scores. But if you don't have the hook of one of those other criteria, your hook is test scores. And I'm, mm-hmm. I'm mostly talking, though, I should clarify, about the selective and mostly highly selective schools. The average school in the country accepts most applicants. So, mm-hmm. you know, when you have a school that accepts 80% of applicants, okay, they might as well be test blind because they're accepting almost everyone who applies. So those schools... Well, and they're probably yeah. basing a lot of that off of grades if they're accepting that many people. Right. Absolutely. And, and they're just not very selective um, to begin with. Yeah. Right. So then, I mean, okay. So given that, I think that the the key takeaway here is that essentially if you are not submitting test scores, the school is going to say, okay, there's no score. And that means that they probably didn't have a good score. And that's like, you know, fine. But essentially, I think that's why I, I've talked to other people on this podcast who've given the advice that essentially, if you have a test score that's like in the middle or above, like if it's if it's in the in the 25th percentile all the way up to like 100, <laughs> like if you're not in the bottom quartile, you should just submit it. Um, which is interesting, right? But it's just to get that kind of, uh, to get that kind of like numerical validation that you're at least in the zip code, because essentially if you're, if you're not submitting a score, they're going to assume that at best, you're probably right around that 25 percentile mark. And at worst you could be lower, right? Correct. I mean, the, like I, uh, article I wrote was, um, Tests optional, confusion mandatory. So not to make it more confusing, because <laughs> it is confusing. Unfortunately, there's still even more nuance in that. So for the average student, that is the exact advice that I would give for the average student. Mm. Um, if you're applying to one of those like top 10, top 20 schools, you still might want to submit, even if you're below that 25th percentile, if you're okay. from an own unknown school. So we have over 20,000 high schools in the country. So there's over 20,000 valedictorians. Even being a valedictorian from an unknown school and having straight A's is still not enough for, for a school like Yale to feel good about your test score. And Yale even says on its admissions website, consider sending your score even if you're not at that, you know, even if you're in the bottom quartile. Because mm-hmm. if you're from an unknown school, that will give them more certainty. As long as your score is yeah, not really, really low. They're trying to figure out like whether you can hang at Yale exactly right and if you got you know of 1380 versus like an 1180 right that's a pretty big difference right don't if the median is 1550 or whatever it is exactly yeah so never send the 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 1100 (laughs) yeah but well then they're just like well we know it's not gonna work exactly yeah so you know for some of those most selective schools there's a little bit of nuance where even if you're slightly below that 25th percentile, you still might want to send scores, um, especially if you're from a known, known school. And then the I unfortunately also the opposite is though true, that if you're from one of these feeder high schools, these elite high schools, those colleges really want those students because they know that those students are academically prepared to succeed at those schools, mm-hmm. at, at even the selective and highly selective schools. And those students are typically full pay students. So those are like the 
you know, top of the list applicants that they want to accept. Right. You're, you're not only are you paying full freight for sure, but you're also, um, <laughs> you're also going to be fine. Right. And, you know, talking, you know, bring it back to bring it back to the college rankings you mentioned. So graduation rates go into those college rankings and wealth is extremely highly correlated with graduation rates. So if right. you're wealthy, almost guaranteed you're going to graduate, you know, your parents would just hire tutors yeah, would, to get you through school. You would have to flunk out of college, which is pretty hard to do, honestly. Yes. Like even in hard colleges, it's kind of hard to flunk out completely. Right. So those kids from elite high schools, ironically, the, t you know, selective and highly selective schools, they actually don't want those students even to submit a score below the 50th percentile. Because that will bring down the school's average SAT or ACT score for a student they wanted to admit regardless of test scores. So that student, they want to let in. Okay. So if you – so essentially it depends a lot on where you're applying from. Yes, where you're applying from and where you're applying to. <laughs> it's, mm -hmm. again, confusion mandatory. So the, I would say for the average student, 100%, your 25th percentile or above – Submit. There are some nuances, though, to keep in mind, which unfortunately is why, you know, college counselors, and especially outside college counselors, can help pierce the veil of that confusion. And some of them can go give really good advice. Yeah. So let's on that note, let's talk about how, you know, ACT and SAT scores affect rankings of colleges. And I think just for, for parents and students, it's important to note that college rankings are more or less an unofficial scoreboard of the best colleges in the country and it feels like i'm not a college admissions officer i know that you are a bit more than i am here but it feels like everything colleges do is through the lens of how will this affect my u.s news report ranking and it's funny because, like, this all came out of private industry, right? Like, we don't have, like, a U.S. government ranking system <laughs> for for colleges, right? And there was no ranking system, really, for colleges other than people knew Harvard, Yale, whatever. Ivy League was good, like, 50 years ago in the way that there is now, right? It's all, you know, thanks to capitalism, we've kind of built this whole infrastructure. Uh, so now everything is is, like, oriented around it in a way that I think it's really important to understand in order to kind of see yourself at the other side of the table and the college admissions counselor's point of view in order to understand what they want, right? Or what they look for, or at the bare minimum, how they're going to look at your test scores, right? So I think, you know, what do you, how do, how do those rankings like get developed and how do scores play into them? Um, and then how can, what can you do about that? Yeah. Yeah, it's a great question. So, you know, the the there's a lot of pros and cons to rankings. I mean, I'm I'm actually pro ranking, which will get the hate of every um college. But we <laughs> I know, I think the col the colleges totally like rankings when they work for right. them. Right? I think everybody maybe is annoyed that they ha are a slave to the rankings a little bit. Um, but yeah. Right. I think I think it's just like the, if if U.S. News didn't do it, someone would do it, you know. Right, absolutely. And it is 
it is helpful to the consumer in many ways to have someone have done the research to rank other colleges because this is for you know most people a absolutely massive investment for them right you might be paying over $200,000 for this investment this is not a tradable asset you can't say oh i got this degree let me just trade it in or sell it later right have you seen that cartoon where this guy like it's like a cartoonist he has this art degree he's like hi i'd like to return right. this and the woman's like sir this is your degree and he's like it's unused <laughs> <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> amazing. <laughs> like, and then they says cash is fine. Right. And it's <laughs> yeah, funny because it's true, right? So people really need to be unbelievably careful when they're making this very, very large illiquid investment. If you were purchasing a stock for $200,000 that you had to sell or that you couldn't sell for your entire life and it was going to impact yeah. the rest of your life. And it was going to be on your resume for the rest of your life. Exactly. Like I bought Tesla. like yeah that it would be a big deal right so you know we need some rankings now the downside then is again there's trade-offs so nothing is perfect so do rankings tell everything about a school absolutely not right um Mm -hmm. but back to how test scores play into rankings so in u.s news and world report rankings they're directly five percent of the rankings and They've they've just this year revised the way they do that 5% so that if a college has fewer than 50% of students who submit scores or admitted students who submit scores, they penalize that college in the college rankings a little bit. Because otherwise, you know, if you're only um, admitting 20% of students with scores, now 20% of your admitted students are determining 100% of your school's average SAT and ACT score. So it would yeah, be, and, yeah, and also it's like, I mean, something that you've all, I think, I don't know if it was you I was talking to you about this or someone else, but what's something that schools are already doing is they're more or less trying to say like, hey, only submit scores if they're good as a way to kind of incentivize people to like only the high score people submit and then their average score goes up. Right? Exactly. Yeah. So they still have, you know, some um, safeguards in place. So it's not you know, 20% of students giving this huge, like massive SAT, ACT score, which would unfairly bring up that school's rankings. Um, Mm -hmm. So test scores, though, they're directly 5% of the rankings. They're indirectly significantly more of the rankings, though, because SAT and ACT scores, it's not like, so grades are the best predictor at most schools of success. But SAT Mm -hmm. and ACT scores, they do add incremental predictive capacity. And it really depends on the school, but every single large-scale study that's ever been conducted has validated that SAT and ACT scores add predictive capacity. So, you know, the famous study... Well, that's good, because otherwise they just shouldn't exist. Right, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, there will be some people who are bring up... The, the, peop, the test-optional um, advocates always bring up two studies. Defining Promise Study by Bill Hiss. The one thing I'd say about that is, yes, on the average test scores very slightly increase predictive capacity. But for instance, in their own study data in minority serving institutions, those the inclusion of SAT and ACT scores increased graduation rates by 54%. And that's in a study that emphasizes test optional. So they just hid that. Mm-hmm. Or there's a University of Chicago study and their takeaway was no grades are better predictors than test scores. It's like, 
yeah, no one's debating that, but test scores still add predictive capacity. So because test scores add predictive capacity, they indirectly go into the rest of rankings. Because if you mm-hmm. if you accept kids who are have higher test scores, they're more likely to do well at your school. They're more likely to uh, graduate from your school because they're not transferring or dropping out. And they're more likely to actually be successful in life as well, which there are some outcome-based parts of the rankings. Um, so 35% of the rankings are graduation and retention rates. So test scores even indirectly play into those. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that also, um, I mean, the next thing that I'd want to cover real quick here is like, how do test scores get, or like, how do admissions officers, excuse me, like view test scores and if, if basically change their decision-making or how the test scores affect their decision-making. So we talked a little bit earlier, like we gave a scenario where it was like, if you have a score that, you know, is let's say like below the median or below the 25th percentile score, you know, an admissions officer would be a lot more reticent to admit you because they are essentially going to see their average go down. Right. So how do the rankings influence these um, these score decisions when you're thinking about submitting a score to a school? And essentially, what would you recommend, right? I think that you covered this a little bit earlier already, but just to rehash it and kind of make it really concise. So to your point, just about everything goes into rankings. So, I mean, yeah. even accepting... Um, students who are Pell Grant students, so their family makes under $60,000 a year, they're not admitting those kids just out of goodwill. That is part of their rankings, is the admission and graduation rates of Pell Grant students. So everything needs to be filtered through that lens. And I mean, it's hard for me to be concise on it because there are just so many nuances (laughs) to who should submit scores. But the general advice still stands. If you're 25th percentile or above for the average student, submit test scores. Okay. And then I think in general, um, when it comes to test optional, it really still feels to me like test suggested. Would you agree with that? I would absolutely agree with that. And the the schools, very few schools are transparent about it, but some schools are. And yeah, I would say selectively test optional. So it's test optional if you have a hook to get in some other way or, you know, test preferred is a great way of saying it as well. Yeah. And then I'm curious, is there any way, because there are some schools that are like really test optional. And what I mean by that is like, they're very enthusiastic about people not not submitting test scores. Is there any way to kind of pick those schools out of a crowd if you're potentially looking for that? There actually is. So one of the best things to do is when you're looking into a school, type in common data set, and then that school's Mm -hmm. name. Because that will actually give you the actual admissions uh, data. So you know right. when Harvard says, "Oh, we're truly test optional," you look at their test, uh, their common data set. I think it's around like eighty-six percent of admitted students submitted test scores. It's like, okay, well, yeah, the other fourteen percent they were going to get in even with low test scores. So you're right, but also, I mean, to be frank, like fourteen percent is higher than I expected. Actually, I thought you were going to say like four. So well, you also have to consider recruited athletes. So like I have a recruited oh, okay. athlete. Um, he just got into Villanova business program and 
they he had a 14 no i take that back he had a 1380 on his sat he went through this is respectable yeah it is um he went through the um the pre-read athletic, process in, yeah in the, pre- the athletic recruiting team exactly basically. so he went through the pre-read process they said our t- <laughs> our test score um gives us enough your test score gives us enough certainty that you would do well here but don't submit it when you apply so they got their cake right. and got to eat it too, where they got to see his score, but then say apply test optional. So he will come up in part of that. I mean, it's for Villanova. He would come up in that 14% of admitted without test scores, but really he was admitted with test scores through the pre-read process. So Right. I mean, it, athletics is like a weird kind of like side door a little bit because they, if they want to recruit you as an athlete and then essentially like they're playing inside baseball with the admissions officer to make sure that you get in. Right. They're like, we want this. We need this guy on our team. You know, let's go to the admissions counsel- counselor and be like, look, can we get, can we do a 1380? They're like, sure. Just don't have them submit it. Exactly. Like, oh, great. Right. Yeah, exactly. So I would say, look at that common data set. So, um, and there are also lists that have been compiled. Um, Brooke Hansen, she runs super tutor TV, Great content. Oh, cool. Yeah, we're, I have something scheduled with her, actually. She's amazing. And yeah. her, her blog has great info. She has an entire blog going through, I think it's, don't quote me, but I think it's the top 200 schools and um, their common data set uh, admissions data on test scores. So she has on there, you can literally just sort from highest to to least. You know, I think Pepperdine was like lowest on the list, whereas like 20% of admitted students um, submitted test scores. So yeah, you can very legitimately get into Pepperdine without test scores. Notre Dame, absolutely not. They are test optional in name only. <laughs> right. So. Yeah, that's that's a really good tip. I think in general, like, you know, I would probably want to see at least 25% test optional people, probably 50. Right. Um, before I was willing to just, like, not worry about it at all. Yeah. Um, but it is, it is definitely like the, the common data set also is just very useful for people to look into anyway. Like there's a lot more information that goes into these things, um, that I think, you know, maybe that's just like one more takeaway from this, from this episode is everyone should look at the common data set data of the schools they're looking at. Yes. And one thing to look at is how they evaluate you. So in that common data set, it'll tell you, do they look at extracurricular activities? Do they look at demonstrated interest? And some, it'll say in the category, not considered for demonstrated interest. Well, Mm. but it also might be in the considered, in which case you have to go do an official visit at that school if you want to be able to essentially check that box. And Mm -hmm. some of these test optional colleges under test scores, is it, you know, considered very important, whatever. Some of them are checking very important for test scores even though they say they're test optional. Again, and that emphasizes they're then test very preferred or test very preferred. Right. And it also, it shows like the culture of the organization, right? At the end of the day, um, you're applying to a place the way that, you know, if you're an adult, right? If you're a teacher listening to this, like you apply, or not teacher, excuse me, a parent listening to this, it's like you're applying to a job, right? You're like, well, what's the culture of the company when I get there, right? Like, do I have, can I go home at five or do I need to sit there till seven because that's when the boss leaves, right? Like, it's all, 
all these little details. And so, you know, that that little very important check is a pretty strong culture indicator there on how they handle admissions. Good analogy. I agree. Yeah. Well, great. Thanks. This has been G. Uh, this has been Shift, a college admissions podcast for a changing world, hosted by Tyler from Achievable and with David Blobaum from Summit Prep. Get a free trial of Achievable's ACT course at achievable.me, and if you like it, you can use the code podcast for 10% off at checkout.